You're listening to a sermon from Darabin Presbyterian Church. Visit us online for more resources or to get in touch. Yes, I'll be reading from John chapter 8, verse 48 to 59. You can follow along behind me or there's Bibles at the end of the rows if you don't have your own. Uh, Verse 48, the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honour my father and you dishonour me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know that you are demon possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say, whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If if I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Thanks, Steph. Uh, My name's Ken, if I don't know you. So I'm going to be doing the sermon today. Uh, It'd be great if you can keep your Bibles open to John chapter 8 there. There's also a sermon outline um, on the website if you've got that out on your phones. Um, But let's pray before we get into God's Word today. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, uh, help us to focus on you now. Uh, Help us to understand your Word for us today. Uh, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help me as you speak to speak your word clearly, uh, that our hearts would be open to your word and be changed by you. Uh, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, all was revealed by a famous line from a famous film. See if anyone knows it. I am your father. Where's that from, Steve? Any guesses? It's from Star Wars, of course, right? Darth Vader. But before he became Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, all the way back in Episode 2, said another famous line. He said, One day I will become the greatest Jedi ever. I will even learn how to stop people from dying. Do you hear that? One day I'm going to become the greatest Jedi ever. I will even learn how to stop people from dying. You see, it might have looked like great aspirations on the surface, but the signs were already there. He wanted himself to be the greatest. By his own power, by his hands, he was determined to save everyone. And maybe in a deep or hidden way, even for us today, we're quite similar to that. In our culture, in our community, we're often determined to find purpose and meaning in in what we do, in, in making things better and saving things, you know, with our own works, with our own hands. We want to be the best version of ourselves. We ultimately seek to glorify ourselves. But in our passage today, we see that it's Jesus who really deserves honour and glory, even though he doesn't even seek it for himself. So all will be revealed of Jesus. This is the biggest reveal of Jesus yet in John, actually. 
and we're going to explore who he is and what it means to believe in him and why this actually really matters. And so our big idea today is that Jesus deserves all glory and honour and delivers people from death because unlike Darth Vader, he is I am. Now, this passage comes after the Feast of the Booths. It's also called the Feast of the Tabernacles or Festival of Lights. It's these festivals that the Jews celebrate, and remembering how God protected them all the way back when they were guiding out their way of the desert on the way to the Promised Land. And now Jesus has been in this deep discussion with the Jews here. It's a discussion that started way back earlier in this chapter. It starts with Jesus saying in verse 12, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so our passage commences at the tail end of these discussions. You know, they've been talking about his link to the Father as God's son. Uh, There's this topic of judgment. There's a bit about how Abraham's true descendants should love Jesus uh, and believe in his word. And then Trav talked last week about this freedom from slavery to sin that Jesus brings. And Jesus starts to accuse the Jews that they are of the devil, that they desire to murder Jesus. He's kind of egging them on. And so our passage today is this discourse of these three further accusations from these Jews, and it's Jesus intensifying his response to them. It's like these three final debating rounds where Jesus is stepping up his claims to show us who he really is, why it matters, what his identity is, and and how we must respond to that even today. So you can see these three accusations, they're in our service outline too. Uh, Firstly, we'll see that Jesus deserves glory and honour because he is the Son of God. Uh, Secondly, we'll see that those who obey Jesus' word are delivered from death. And finally, Jesus reveals why this is the case, who he really is, and we'll see what it means for us today. So let's start with the first debating round uh, where we see that Jesus deserves glory and honour because he is the Son of God. Have a look at verse 48. Uh, The Jews say to Jesus, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? This response demonstrates their disbelief in Jesus' previous words. They're accusing him of being this Samaritan and and having a demon. What does that mean? Well, Samaritans were the most despised of all races of the Jews. They were unclean, uh, impure. They distorted the law of Moses and made their own cult. They weren't worshipping the true God, not like these true children of Abraham. Are there people who don't know God? And to have a demon, it's not saying that he was somehow uncontrollably spiritually possessed uh, like by demonic forces, but that he was really speaking crazy things, crazy things that were totally corrupt and against their idea of God and religion. So here the Jews are attacking Jesus again. It's someone who not only doesn't belong to God, but is really totally against God. Remember, Jesus previously hung out with the unclean, the crippled, the blind, uh, those that were sinfully sick, even a Samaritan woman. And previously, he broke Jewish laws by healing on the Sabbath and proclaimed to be the son of man himself. And so here in verse 49 to 51, Jesus replies to them, and his reply is by emphasizing his sonship, saying that he doesn't have a demon, but instead honors the father. He honours the Father, but they don't honour Jesus as they ought. Jesus here is honouring the Father by submitting to the will and obeying the work that the Father has given him. 
And Jesus is also deferring judgment to the Father. It's in verse 50 there that though the Jews are attacking him, uh, he is deferring judgment to his Father to deliver justice for himself. I wonder when we get attacked for our faith, for following Jesus, do we defer judgment to the Father? It's not easy. We often want justice now. You know, we want what is right. We want revenge, maybe. At least sometimes I feel that way. But Jesus, he doesn't do that, does he? Instead, he's saying that pursuing the Father's glory and honour, that God's approval is paramount. And so he entrusts the Father to judge. And he's also highlighting that these accusations of the Jews are dishonouring Jesus and thus dishonouring the Father. You see, Jesus is saying that he's so intimately linked as God's son uh, that this same honour due to the Father is also due to him. He's pointing out this lack of respect, this lack of esteem, this lack of recognition that Jesus is the Son of God. So what does it look like to honour God? Well, it's about honouring the Son of God, Jesus. And what does it look like to honour Jesus? Well, it's about knowing and believing who Jesus says he is, the Son of God. But how do we actually honour Jesus? Well, I think it's by giving our lives to him as our God by believing in him, by trusting and worshipping him with our whole lives. I was speaking to someone recently, they're a non-Christian, I think, and I asked them, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Um, And they answered that he is the son of God. I was quite surprised by the way that they responded to that. Yet when I thought a bit more, yet even though they related Jesus as God's son, I think they failed to actually honour God as they weren't honouring Jesus. So how have you been going with honouring Jesus even this past week? Maybe you've been putting your own priorities above that of Jesus. Maybe you've been putting your own struggles or disappointments or our own securities above the security that we find in Jesus. Or maybe we've been prioritising our work or studies or relationships or other things above Jesus. Or have we been fearing other people rather than fearing our God? I know sometimes when I have to deal with tensions in relationships, uh, it's easy for me to fear the conflict and want to please people rather than first and foremost pleasing God. Or have we been honouring our temporary or material earthly treasures more than honouring our eternal God? forgetting that our eternal treasure is found in him. Or maybe it's with our time. You know, we've got time for work, time for studies, maybe, time to meet friends, time for family. But where's the time that we're prioritising to our God? Like, do we prioritise getting along to church or to gospel community? Or are we prioritising catching up with each other and encouraging each other as our fellow DPC brothers and sisters? And are we prioritising personally relating with God each day? Well, today I think we need to believe afresh that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, our Saviour and our King. And we need to trust him as the Son of God so that when we're struggling in grief, we can rely on him as our rock. Or when we're happy and enjoying life, that we can bring him all due honour and praise and glory to Jesus. You know, it needs to come from deep in our hearts and then permeate into all aspects of who we are 
and what we do, because he's a son of God and thus deserves all of our honor and glory. And because he is the son of God, he also has the authority. I see in verse 51 that those that obey his word will never see death. Here Jesus is talking about spiritual death, not physical death. That's about eternal life with God. And that, that brings about this second accusation, it's the second debate, where we see that those that obey Jesus' word are delivered from death. So the Jews are appalled by the fact that Jesus claims this glory and honour, and now he's saying also that he has power over death. So they seek to trap him again. In verses 52 to 53, they're following up by saying that now they're even more sure that he must be demon-possessed and against God. You see, Abraham and the prophets physically died. How could Jesus say that obeying his word will never taste death? And note the subtle change in language here. In verse 51, Jesus says, see death, but the Jews reinterpret this as taste death. They see this as meaning a physical death, where Jesus was referring to a spiritual death an eternal separation from God. So they're arguing that if all their forefathers were six feet under now, many moons ago, how can Jesus say he has his power over death? What right does he have? Who does he think he is? How could anyone be greater than their late and great forefather Abraham? Remember Abraham? It's the man who started their nation. It's who God promised to bless into a great nation whose descendants would be blessed and be a blessing to those around them. Abraham died, yet Jesus is saying he's greater. So the Jews feel that they've trapped Jesus. But actually, they've mistaken Jesus' words. You see, Jesus is really talking about his own salvation story, this real spiritual life that goes on with God and his people forever. And we see Jesus explaining this in two kind of parts. Uh, The first part is where Jesus deserves glory because he is the son of God who knows his father and obeys him. And the second part is where Jesus is saying that he's is the fulfillment of God's promise, uh, the promise to Abraham, who also obeyed God's word. So let's unpack this a little bit more. Uh, firstly, Jesus replies in verse 54, if, the glor- if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Uh, to glorify means to bring praise and honour and worship, So Jesus is strengthening further from his previous argument uh, that he's not seeking his own glory. You see, it'd be futile for Jesus to seek his own glory. That's what Satan was tempting him to do back in the wilderness. But here Jesus tells us that the Father seeks to bring Jesus glory. You see, he links this back to his relationship with the Father as God's Son again. That he's not trying to bring glory to himself, but that the Father gives him glory. How is this shown? Well, ultimately, on the cross, isn't it? Jesus obeyed his Father to death on the cross and was resurrected and glorified. Maybe that's a big spoiler alert for the rest of the book of John. But in verse 55, he continues to contrast that the Jews don't know the Father, but Jesus knows his Father intimately. You see, he links knowing his Father to obeying his word. Jesus previously said that obeying Jesus' word brings life, and now he's linking this to saying that he obeys his Father's word because Jesus truly knows the Father. Jesus has come to earth to obey God's word, to be obedient to God's will, all the way even to death on the cross. 
So Jesus knows the Father intimately uh, compared to the Jews who don't really know God at all. He's saying that they're liars and hypocrites, saying that they are the people who don't really know God. So who's the Samaritan now? Jesus has turned the tables here on the Jews. And if God the Father wants to glorify Jesus, then maybe we should also be wanting to bring glory to Jesus too. Because he deserves all glory. Uh, because he is the Son of God who knows his Father and obeys his Father. Uh, secondly, in verse 56, we see Jesus makes this bold statement of his identity saying that Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. That's a big call to say that their forefather of their entire nation, that Father Abraham himself, was anticipating Jesus' life and ministry. Now, there's some contention in the exact meaning or the exact way that Abraham rejoiced in thinking and seeing my day. That's Jesus' day. And maybe this was Abraham personally physically seeing and receiving Jesus in joy in Genesis. Or perhaps this is pointing to the joy Abraham received when God finally blessed him with the birth of his son Isaac. Alternatively, it could have been pointing to that great promise from that initial covenant in Genesis 12 that one day all nations would be blessed through the offspring of Abraham. Either way, I think the key is that Jesus is now linking his identity deeper into the heritage of the Jews. You see, he's calling himself this great blessing to all nations that Abraham, by faith, was gladly looking forward to. He's the ultimate fulfillment of these promises, the blessing that would one day come, the kingdom of Jesus that Abraham was anticipating. And it also points to Abraham's obedience to God, by faith. Abraham trusting in God's covenantal blessing amidst the adversity Not that Abraham was perfect, but that he obeyed God above what was most precious to him, even willing to sacrifice his son Isaac by faith. I think this is a great illustration of what it means to keep and obey God's word. You see, Abraham held fast to God's promise. He persevered. He secured it in his heart. He retained, developed, and then he flourished in it. So here's the link of thoughts. Bear with me here a bit. In verse 56, we see Jesus linking Abraham's faith in obeying God, and he links that to Jesus obeying the Father in verse uh, 55. And then in verse 51, he says that we need to obey Jesus, the word which grants us his promise of eternal life. Now come back to me in verse 51 again, where Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. Very truly, like truly, truly, double truly. He's not kidding here that obeying Jesus' word means no more death. You see, Jesus is the word, truth, and life. And we're not called just to believe or accept this, but to live it out, to obey and act it out in our lives. The word obey here means to retain, to continue, to persist. I think that's why the ESV uses the word keep instead of obey. You see, it's about locking Jesus' words deep in our hearts, attending to it, meditating on it regularly, continuing to keep his word, to nourish, to sustain us, and then flourishing in Christ. It's a bit like the parable of the sower. Do you remember that parable? Where the seed that landed on the good soil, uh, that stands on a good heart, that hears the word, retains it, and then by persevering, produces a harvest. 
That's what obeying Jesus' word looks like. But just to clarify, it's not that eternal life is contingent on obedient works, but I guess this is pointing that it's about continually, actively trusting in Jesus' word, in how we live, and that brings spiritual life. So do we want life? Do we want eternal life? Well, this is only found in Jesus, and how? Well, it's by obeying his word. So are we keeping his word this day? Do you know his word? Are you reading his word, the Bible, regularly, keeping it close to your heart, meditating on it day and night, remembering his word in trial and suffering, in joy and celebration too, in your work, in your rest, in your future plans? I think for me it means making sure that I keep trusting and relying on God's word. And not just reading it more, I mean, I probably need to read God's word more too. But I also need to be bathing in his word more, you know, meditating on it, mulling over it throughout the day. Understanding what it means and and how it changes my life. I need to be humbly relying on God's word in my life. Actively living out the truths of God's word. Resting on his promises. Finding my sustenance and my joy, not in my own hands, not in my works or in family, or the pleasures, or relationships, or any other things, but in Jesus. In his word, relating to Jesus, knowing him, keeping his word. Finally, it's the third round of this debate, where we see that Jesus deserves glory and honour, because he is, I am. Verse 57, the Jews rebut again. How can Jesus have seen Abraham. He's only about 30. He's not even 50 yet. See, Abraham was long dead thousands of years ago, yet Jesus say that he's seen him. Finally, they feel that they've won. They've trapped Jesus. Their logic wins. Yet actually, it just shows us that they still don't quite understand, do they? They don't understand that Jesus is the Son of God. They don't understand what Jesus is saying about life and death. You see, it's their darkness despite Jesus bringing light. So in verse 58, Jesus drops the bombshell. Very truly, he says, truly, truly, don't be mistaken. Before Abraham was born, I am. I am. You see, Jesus doesn't say I was. He's not only saying that he predates Abraham here. And nor does Jesus say I am a God or I am your father. He's labeling himself as the I am. I am Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord of Lords. The name that cannot be pronounced or spelt because he's so holy. It's the name of God himself, the creator of light and life. And it's a name that would have been very familiar to the Jews. That's a reference all the way back to Moses. uh, The unexpected light of the burning bush. It's in Exodus 3 where God says his name is I Am, where Moses is called to tell God's people that I Am has sent him. I Am that I Am. You see, this is a special holy name reserved for God himself. It's an eternal name, a name where God comes to relate to and to deliver his people. And so now at the Festival of Lights, uh, Jesus reveals in a bold and unexpected claim that he is this same I am. Jesus is saying that he is before and bigger than Abraham, that he is eternal, 
that he is God himself, Lord, all-encompassing, self-sufficient, all-powerful, light and life, holy, name above all names. You see, this is a big deal. All has been revealed. And in Jewish law, the punishment for this was death. Leviticus uh, 24, verse 16, uh, says that anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to be put to death. The entire assembly must stone them, whether foreigner or native-born. And when they blaspheme the name, they are to be put to death. That's why the Jews get angry. You see, in verse 59, they want to stone him for this blasphemy, for calling himself God. I mean, the law of Moses called for this. Uh, But Jesus runs away, doesn't he? He flees, he slips away. His time had not yet come. So Jesus is saying he is, I am. It's this massive, bold claim uh, that the Jews just couldn't comprehend. Uh, But the more important question is, for today, who do you believe Jesus to be? Who do you believe Jesus to be? Uh, Some people might think that he was a wise teacher or a a good man in history or some positive moral leader. Uh, But John doesn't give us those options here, does he? Um, Either the Bible is true and Jesus is God. He is I am. Or he's some crazy, whacked-out lunatic, you know, making self-absorbed claims about himself. And we need to stone him or put him to death. But if what the Bible says is true, what Jesus is saying is true, then Jesus is the eternal God. He's the Son of God, the Messiah. And by obeying his word is light and life. So maybe today God is calling you to believe in him, to see Jesus as your God. Will you put your trust in Jesus today? And not that he needs us to, but he loves us and he desires to give us all eternal life. So much so that he died on the cross to save us from our sin. He's the only way to eternal life. He can do it. He's the I am. He's bigger than all the Greek alphabets on the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. He's bigger than the floods of, in Australia with our northern state neighbours, even despite our current lettuce shortage. Um, and he's even bigger than this unending war in Ukraine at the moment. I mean, imagine, imagine if there was some amazing biomedical scientist, maybe some amazing immunologist that found a cure for COVID and cancers and eliminated all diseases from our world. That person might get a Nobel Prize. Well, Jesus is the I am, isn't he? He's the ultimate healer. We've seen earlier in John's gospel that he's healed the lame, the blind, the sick. And we're going to see later in John's gospel that he can even bring the dead to life. Or imagine if there was a great um, meteorologist or excellent civil engineer that could stop the floods destroying towns across our nation, you know, save our property, save livelihood, save our letters too. I mean, this person might be the Australian of the year, you know, OAM, maybe even knighted by the Queen. Well, Jesus is the I am, isn't he? He's the creator God. By his word, he can fully control the wind and the waves. He was there before time. In the beginning, he was already God, and all things were created through him. Or imagine, imagine if there was a great ruler that could stop all the wars, that could bring peace to all corners of our world. 
uh, including peace and reconciliation between Russia and Ukraine. And between all other nations, no more wars, no more hatred, no more conflicts, just world peace. Well, we know that Jesus is the I Am, and he has brought us ultimate peace. He's died on the cross for us. He sacrificed himself, even though he is the I Am. He does all the work for us and takes all the punishment on himself so that we can have peace and eternal life simply by keeping his word, by believing in him. Friends, I want us to know how big it is for Jesus to say he is the I am. He's bigger than all of us here today. He's above all things and before all things. He's the creator God, all-powerful, sovereign. He is eternal. He is our light, our hope, our life. And our only right response is to humbly bring all glory and honour to him, that we bow down before him and entrust everything to him, to live our lives in keeping his word. So I pray here that everyone here today would believe this day that Jesus is the I Am. And if you don't believe in this yet, then Jesus is calling out to you from his word, from the Bible today, to show you that he is God, he is the I Am. He's calling you to trust him, to turn to him, so that you can bring him honour and glory by accepting him as your God, as the I am. And if you're not sure how to do that, then please chat to myself or one of the other leaders or people here today. So today the big idea is that Jesus deserves all glory and honour and delivers people from death because he is the I am. So how have you gone even this last weekend in honouring and bringing glory to Jesus? What aspects of your life, even this coming week, do you need to maybe reprioritise or or give up or change so that you can give all glory and honour to Jesus as the Son of God? Are there some self-centred aspects of your life that you need to bring to God this day so that you won't be hindered in worshipping him in all things? And how will you go about obeying his word this week? Uh, Do you need to find more time in your busy schedule to read God's word more? I know I probably need to do that. Uh, Do you need to maybe try and connect with your church family more this week so that we can be encouraging each other in God's word? Do we need to be trusting or relying maybe in God's word in some sort of difficult situation in your life right now? Jesus, he is the I am. He's the ultimate saviour and king. The fulfilment of the Bible that was promised all the way back from the beginning, before Abraham. And so he deserves all glory and honour. And we can trust in him because he is eternal and eternal life is found in him. So may you cling to keeping his word this day and every day. And may God bless us and give us the strength and desire to be able to do this. Because truly, truly, I tell you, whoever obeys Jesus' word will never see death. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your Son, for the work that Jesus has done for us on the cross. And we pray to you, Lord, that you would change our hearts so that we could bring you all glory and honour. 
We pray to you to thank you that you are the great I am uh, that delivers us from death. We pray to you that uh, you would help us to give our lives fully to you this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.